Today, we're going to cover newsletter growth, marketing agencies, and advertising. I spoke with Max Bidna, aka Marketing Max, about this and a lot more in this episode. Max is a former agency owner and a growth marketing expert who is now building a media business called Growth Daily. And he stopped by to give us some insights on growing newsletters the right way and a lot more than that, too. So let's dive right into it. I want to start with the agency side of things. A lot of people in marketing go that route. It's just, it's so prevalent. But you actually ran an agency. And so you've been a part of that in in a couple of different unique ways. I'm just curious, starting off, what the things that you really loved about marketing agency life were? Like, what did it provide you that you couldn't really get anywhere else? Yeah, from a lifestyle standpoint, the only reason I started my agency was because I was living in New York, working on Wall Street, working 80-hour work weeks, hating my job, and, and I failed the Series 7 exam, which is the exam that you need to be an investment banker. And one of my clients looked at me in the face and said, I want you to run my Facebook ads, like three months after I failed that exam. So I said, I have no experience with Facebook ads. I like marketing, but like I have no experience. And she said, put together a great pitch deck. And I think you'd make some good ads and I think you'd just be better at all the other agencies than the agencies that I've hired. They all suck. So I took $2,000 of her ad spend, watched a couple YouTube videos, got some ads live. And in the course of two to three weeks, I turned her $2,000 into $20,000 in revenue for her business and immediately just got hooked on ads and the game of performance marketing, landing page optimization, the whole nine yards. What did I like about it? Within the course of three months, I was able to more or less quit my job that I was working 80 hour work weeks for and having a boss. And I was able to afford a New York City lifestyle just with the skill set of watching a few YouTube videos and learning how to run Facebook ads, learning on other people's dollars. The freedom from a lifestyle standpoint of being your own boss, taking on clients, building a business, there's, there's no limit, right? You could just get unlimited clients. And as long as you have some good case studies, the sky really is the limit. And then on the fulfillment side, back then, Facebook ads were a fraction of the cost that they are now. And so it was so much easier to generate a really high return on ad spend. And what I absolutely loved was seeing the actual impact of the work that I was having on the brands and the businesses that I was working with. And that's why I always start by explaining the background of me and my career and my life before agencies, because in investment banking, you spend six to 12, if not more months helping companies raise capital and you're just pitching investors and pitching investors. And then when you finally raise a $5 million seed round or series A round, you don't see the actual impact and the actual growth of that business sometimes for years. You don't actually realize the direct impact that it has. And is this going to work out where with my very first client of my agency, $2,000 into $20,000 in revenue in just a couple of weeks. It's just the most fulfilling thing ever. From, that's from a lifestyle perspective that the agency gives you the freedom to be your own boss and, and to really replace your job income pretty quickly because you're not trying to get $5,100 course sales a week in order to make half a million bucks a year. You need 10 clients paying you 5K. It's a lot easier to do that. And then from the fulfillment standpoint, just like personally seeing the growth and watching our companies literally like 60 days after they hire us, be able to go hire three more people, four more people create more jobs, place a much bigger order with their supplier to grow their business. You, you, very, very few businesses and careers, you actually get to see that impact happen. That. Yeah, for sure. One thing you mentioned in there is, I guess, timeline-wise, the return on ad spend was just nuts when you did that. Now, if you did that, I'm guessing went through the same process, 
the 2K may not become 20K just because of everything that's been going on with iOS, privacy issues, platforms just becoming more expensive. So if you were doing that now, what do you think you'd have to do differently to get a similar result? Or do you think that's probably just not on, on the table at this point? Yeah, it's one of the biggest reasons I sold my ad agency, truthfully, is I used to be able to generate at minimum a 4x return on ad spend for pretty much any client, whether they, they were selling a $20 pair of swim goggles or a $5,000 a month co-working space. I was able to generate a minimum 4x ROAS. Uh, after Facebook ads got much more expensive, iOS 14, a lot more brands getting on the platform, th those results are really just not possible these days. There are cases where you can generate a four, five, six X. Normally you need a much higher ticket product to do that. And even then it's not ad dropping off on a landing page and someone purchases right then and there. Normally there has to be sales involved, like someone getting on the phone. There has to be a webinar involved. It's a lot more complicated to, to sell those bigger ticket items these days. I, I would say typically it's not possible. Our tagline, typically these days it's not possible. Our tagline at the agency was we help companies make $4 for every dollar they spend on digital ads. And when I stopped being able to actually back that up, I felt guilty promoting the business with that tagline. And that was what, how we got so many of our clients. And I just said, this is not a, a business I want to run anymore for a lot of other reasons as well. But that was one of the big reasons I got out of the agency life in general was Facebook ads and Google ads and TikTok ads. It's really hard to generate any sort of a meaningful ROAS on the first purchase. So now what we're looking at as marketers is CAC to lifetime value, right? What's the actual lifetime of a customer? If they're going to buy a $20 pair of swim goggles, how do we work with them through email, through loyalty programs to get them to buy pair of goggles every month or every summer? How do we get people onto owned media assets so instead of running ads to just buy these pair of swim goggles? How can we create a weekly newsletter or a YouTube series where we're giving swim lessons to kids? In that example, we worked with a children's swim goggle brand. Um, so how do we drive traffic and awareness and attention to owned media channels where we can promote the brand and by way of the newsletter or the YouTube series or any other owned media asset? We're then from there pushing the product, trying to upsell the product, promote the product. So it's a much more holistic approach that is the key to success these days for most brands, I would say. Yeah, this is an interesting little snippet here because I think a lot of companies are going towards this idea of distribution a little bit more than they had in the past, which is a really good thing. Getting more out of whatever you're doing, whether it's ads or organic or whatever, and hopefully mixing a lot of that together. So from your perspective, whether it's what you're doing with Growth Daily, or even just stuff you're seeing anecdotally outside of that. I'm curious what you're seeing with mixing the organic with paid and trying to get the most out of that. Are there like any combinations of things that are just working really well to try to achieve that better CAC to LTV ratio? Yeah, I think the thing that's working really well is newsletters and particularly newsletters that are not under the same brand name. So for example, if you're a children's swim goggle brand, you're all about creative, fun goggles and swimwear accessories for kids. This is just an e-commerce example. You might want to create a weekly newsletter that features fun outfits in general that's not just swim goggles. You can promote with Facebook ads, with Google ads, with organic content, a newsletter that might be like Kids Vogue or some variation of Kids Vogue. You get parents to sign up for that that way every week or maybe even every day. You profile like a really cute outfit for a little boy or a little girl. And then one day a week, if you send it out weekly, 
you're, you happen to mention the swim goggles, right? So what's working really well for my own brands and for my clients' brands is creating off what I call off brand, right? So if the children's swim goggle brand, I'm not going to say it here for NDA reasons for the client, but if the children's swim goggle brand is like kidsswim.com, you don't want to have the kidsswim.com newsletter. You want to have the fashion, the kids fashion newsletter, come up with something completely brand branded separately buy the different domain, have a different name. You can promote that as its own standalone business. You can eventually start to get revenue from sponsors or affiliates clicking over to other shirts or hoodies or whatever for kids to make back some of that investment that you're using to grow that business or that separate media property. And then every once in a while you promote your own product in it, it works out exceptionally well. And there's a bunch of other strategies and tactics to recoup your investment on that pretty quickly, especially if you have one brand. But this not only works for e-com, it works for agencies to create their own daily newsletter of news and insights that are happening in the industry of your target client. It works for SaaS businesses. It works for everything. It's the own media channel that I think is going to, in the next like five to 10 years, really rival SEO as SEO becomes a little bit harder and challenging with AI. People are going to look for owned media assets that just continually push traffic towards your website. And I think a newsletter is a perfect example of that. There's all, there's other examples. And if I'm rambling, let me know. But other examples of that might be an Instagram theme page, right? So if you're a video game, like if you, if you sell, if you created a, a, an iPhone game, right? An iPhone app, that's a video game. Instead of creating an, a TikTok page or an Instagram page for your specific game, if you created Frogger, instead of creating at Frogger the app, you create an Instagram page or you create a TikTok page that is called maybe like video game highlights or all-time video game highlights. You take clips from other video games. You put those in the page. Your link in bio happens to be a link to Frogger. It happens to be a link to your app, right? And it could seem like they just sponsored this theme page, but now you're able to drift off of other games and you're able to, in, in theory, and most of the time in practice, and execution attract a wider audience than people who just want to see the same Frogger content or the same content from your app all the time, or that see the same swim goggles from you all the time. So creating a separately branded media channel that expands beyond just the scope of your particular product. If you're playing the long game, that's what's winning the most these days. Direct response still works. Facebook ads to a landing page, A-B testing the crap out of a landing page and figuring out what's going to get the most amount of people to fill out the form or purchase definitely still works, but not nearly like it did when I was running my agency. Yeah, I think there's more required of, of companies now. There's, you can't just have the one growth strategy. You really do have to think through, how can I have different touch points, which is a little bit different. And if at your agency, you use a method called growth advertising, and I'd love for you to just walk through what that really means, like what the method is, why it worked, because I think there's more to unpack there as well. But yeah, growth advertising, like explain it to me like I'm five. What is it? How do I implement it? Yep. So. One of the things that worked exceptionally well for my very first client, the one that I mentioned where she gave me $2,000 and I turned it into 20K, was that I tested way more creative than most people were testing at the time. So at the time, most people were throwing up two pictures and a tagline and Facebook ads wasn't that mature and the algorithm wasn't that mature. But the moment I hopped into the ads manager, I saw this duplicate button, even back in 2016, 2017. And so it was really easy for me to duplicate an ad and change two or three words in the headline. And so by changing, introducing to inviting you to join, I was able to see which 
landing or sorry, not landing page, but which headline, which body copy, which picture or video combination worked best. And over the course of the next few months, as I onboarded more and more clients, I started realizing that kind of the secret sauce was running eight to 10 different ad elements for one brand at a time. And so an element would be like four taglines, four body copies and two pictures or four pictures, two body copies, two taglines. And so if we throw all of these into the Facebook ads algorithm, we're able to test and let the algorithm test the combinations to see which one gets the most amount of leads or purchases or ads to cart or wherever or we're optimizing for them. So here's the part where I explain it to you like you're five years old since you, you asked. The simplest and easiest way to explain it is every, for every new client we would get, we would come up with four or five different completely different messaging concepts and themes. Because there's a bunch of different ways to tell a brand story. And the example we always gave was Geico. Geico has, are you smarter than a caveman? They have the gecko. They have the celebrity stuff. They have all these different ways to explain that you could save 15 minutes or more or whatever the tagline is. You could save 50, 15% or more on your car insurance by switching to Geico. So we would come up with our own different, completely separate messaging themes. We would then create eight to 10 elements for each. We would throw them all into a single campaign towards the same target audience, see which one of those messaging themes resonated best with that target audience. And then we would match that particular messaging theme to that target audience. We would take those same original four or five messaging themes. We try them towards a new target audience because within your ICP, within your ideal customer profile, there's a lot of different niche segments. So maybe that wasn't explaining it like you're five years old, but essentially we would come up with a bunch of different stories and a bunch of different ways to articulate the value or the uniqueness of the brand. We would come up with a bunch of different taglines and videos for each, throw them into the Facebook ads algorithm, kind of like a blender and let it see what concoction of taglines, headlines, body copies, pictures, and videos generated the best results for our clients. And so we found, depending on your ad spend, the sweet spot was four to five messaging themes as we called them. And like I said, eight to 10 elements in each and see which messaging theme resonated best with which target audience. And that's how we were able to, for so many years, generate such a high ROI on average. Yeah, that makes sense. Almost like you're creating your own algorithm where like an algorithm usually works with starts out with a little broad group and then you just niche down and it finds the exact right audience to serve it to. And then if it's just not good at all, then it just died. Yeah, no, that, I, that makes a lot of sense. And throughout this whole agency, the, throughout the agency you're building, was there a particular stage of company that you tended to gravitate towards the most or you liked working with the most, saw the most success with? Yeah, I would say because our model was particularly built on a lot of creative, you needed ad spend. And so we got a lot of brands coming to us who saw our 4X ROI average and they would say, if we could just turn $3,000 in the first month into $12,000, then we could spend 10K the next month and then we could grow and grow and grow and grow. And so we got a lot of startups, like really early stage people that didn't have more than 3K, 5K a month to spend in just ad spend alone, not even our retainer to create all of the creative. Those didn't work out so well because we needed budget to properly test all eight to 10 elements inside of each theme, right? So we're creating like 50 different elements or pieces of collateral, as you would call it, or assets for each client. And so we would gravitate towards probably the clients that were spending at least $30,000 a month. Our minimum was 10. 
thousand dollars a month in ad spend, but they were mostly startups, early stage companies doing somewhere between, I would say, twenty k to a hundred k a month in revenue. We had some clients spending a couple hundred thousand dollars with us every month. We had some clients spending ten k because we put our creative and strategy under one roof and charged one flat monthly fee for both. We were able to win a lot more business than a lot of other clients, and because we came to the market with this growth advertising formula and we said you don't need to hire a separate creative agency you don't need to hire your own freelance video editor you don't need to hire in-house creatives to produce all of this content that we need to generate that return for you it was a flat five thousand bucks a month and we would handle everything for you our whole pitch was at the end of the day if you have at least ten thousand bucks a month to spend and you have some google drive folder or dropbox folder of videos or pictures we would turn that into about 50 pieces of collateral across four or five different themes. And we'd be able to test within three months and likely get you to a 4X ROI. And so everyone comes to us and they're like, we think this is the best picture. This is the best tagline. This is the best tagline. We're going to let the algorithm tell us what tagline is going to get the most results. And it's funny because we used to have brands come to us and we would create 50 pieces of collateral. We would run all these ads. We would come out the gate with a six, seven X return on ad spend. And we would say it in, in our bi-weekly meeting, every two weeks we'd have a standing meeting with them. We would say, this is the tagline that works best. And they were like, I don't like that tagline. Let's switch it. And we're like, but you're generating a seven X return on ad spend and you approved it. Like we only, we get your approval on everything. Right. And they were like, I, I don't like it. It's negative. Negative is working. So it's just this funny thing that turned into like, is the client going to actually end up letting us scale? with the thing, or is it really ego that's saying, I like, this is the best way to explain my business, my brand. So yeah, yeah. no, that's a typical agency life. And going back to, we started with what you love about the model. I'm guessing a drawback is that where you find things that work and it's still either not good enough, or it's not, it's still not the answer that, that the client wants to hear. Are there other drawbacks that kind of come to mind with that model of agency life that kind of led you to, yeah, maybe I'll do something else. <laughs> Yeah, I asked my therapist <laughs> why I left agency life. All jokes aside, I think I just wanted something that was more scalable as, a, as an entrepreneur. I really struggled with the fact that every time I would onboard five new clients, I'd have to go hire two or three more people. And so it was always this balancing act of, do we overhire and expect to get more clients in? Do we underhire, work our team a little bit harder? until we get two or three more clients to stabilize out. And I didn't want to be playing that game and thinking about those ratios all the time. I want to be in what my friend calls the zone of genius, right? Not that I'm a genius, but he always says like, if you're good at two or three things, you should be building as a serial entrepreneur, you should be building businesses that really play to those strengths. And my strengths are performance marketing, sales, and putting teams together. I just don't like the scaling of teams. I'm pretty good at hiring talent. I think in five years, we got up to a team of 15 to 20 people and we only ever had two people leave like ever either fired or I should say let go or left on their own. It's like really good at doing that, but I just got tired of the scalability of it and I wanted to chase a different business model and a different dream. <laughs> now you've got something different going on. I'm guessing you probably still do some consulting on the side, but you have growth daily. You actually have a couple of newsletters. So I think you bundle under under the umbrella and you say it's the wall street journal for, is it for growth or for marketing? I can't remember which one. 
Yeah, we started off with the tagline, the Wall Street Journal for marketers, and we quickly realized that a lot of founders and CEOs were signing up for the newsletter because every founder, CEO, entrepreneur knows that they need to have a decent understanding of what's going on in the world of marketing in order to grow their business, right? Marketing is the lifeblood of their business. And if they don't have revenue coming in, then their business is going out of business. We repositioned away from the Wall Street Journal for marketers. I don't know if we have an A tagline now, the Wall Street Journal for marketing, I would say. Because just because you're in finance doesn't read the, the, just because you read the Wall Street Journal doesn't mean that you're in finance. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal for marketing, 50,000 daily readers. We do have three newsletters. We have two daily newsletters and, a, and one weekly send every Sunday. And, and yeah, just trying to grow and help companies grow, given them the news and insights that are more unique and more tangible and actionable than just here's what Google is doing with AI. It's like, no, here are the prompts you should be using. Or here's TikTok announces this new feature. Okay, like here's three examples of brands using the feature and how you can do it too. We try to be as actionable as possible. Yeah, one thing I think a lot of people want to start newsletters, whether it's like a creator or internal, they, people want to start newsletters. They see the value more and more there. And as a monetizable asset too, not just something that you do because you got to do it. So I think that's shifting in the right direction. But for you, I think a question a lot of people have is what format do I use or what topic do I write on to make this a good newsletter that isn't the same as everybody else? So for, for Growth Daily or for any of the newsletters, how did you decide on that initial topic format combination that you wanted to use? Yeah. So my foray into newsletters started April of last year, about a year ago, and I actually launched a course first. I launched like a crash course in marketing that had a bunch of different growth tactics and growth hacks. And when I launched it, I had no idea how to launch a course. I had no idea how to introduce a course or any sort of info product to the market. And it totally flopped. And my buddy, Alex Garcia, when I was chatting with him about it, his advice was don't launch a course, launch a newsletter. And every week, if your course has a hundred different tactics or strategies, every week feature one tactic or strategy. And then at the bottom of the newsletter, say, if you want a hundred other, if you want 99 other, buy the course here. And so I started Growth Hacks Weekly, basically sharing one growth marketing tip, trick, hack, whatever strategy every single Sunday that kind of took off to the point where I was making a decent amount of money from it, six figures from it, from a weekly send and 15,000 subscribers. And so I woke up and was like, this is a billboard business. I need more billboards if I'm going to sell ads because I was booked out three months in advance. And I said, how do I launch a daily newsletter? I looked at all the other daily newsletters in the space and realized no one was taking marketing and business growth news and making it actionable, providing insights and tips and tricks on how you can take this piece of information, this new news nugget and implement it into your business. And so I came up with this concept of we're going to put a news topic at the top and then we're going to put a TLDR. So like two or three sentences explaining what the actual news segment is. And then we're going to have this insight or takeaways section. And from the moment we launched it, people just loved it. The engagement rate has been super high. The feedback on specifically the insights and the takeaway section has been really high and overwhelmingly positive. So it was just like, how do I provide as much actionable value to the market as possible? And we play around with the format all the time. So it wasn't like I decided on some format from the get-go and it was magical and it worked beyond just trying to make it as clear as possible what the takeaway and the piece of action is that I can go do after learning this. This is going to be the obvious question, but this is what the people want to know. So give the people what they want. Looking back at the past, however many months, or I guess it's been 
I don't know, has it been a year since you've been doing this now? Looking back at this time, is there one replicable growth tactic that you would you highly recommend to people? Something that isn't just like a cool thing that happened to you, but you actually think could be replicated across a daily or a weekly newsletter to grow? Specifically for newsletters? Yeah, yep. Ads in other newsletters are the best way to grow your newsletter. It, it, there's no better way to grow a newsletter for an, or with an engaged audience than running ads in other newsletters. Because if people regularly read another newsletter with a similar niche or topic or content to yours, the chances are they're very highly likely going to open and read yours as well. Where a lot of people, they spend a lot of time on TikTok, they spend a lot of time on Instagram trying to push people over to their newsletter. And the truth is the people that spend a lot of time on Instagram and TikTok tend to consume video content more than written content. So running ads in other newsletters, running ads on Twitter, running ads on Reddit, running ads on Quora, being active in those communities, first and foremost, you're getting in front of people who regularly consume their content in written form. So ads in other newsletters, Twitter, even collaborations with other newsletters, like they write a post for you and you write a post for them. Anything you can do to get in front of an audience that is regularly consuming written content is the best way to grow an engaged follower base. Or sorry, not follower, but just a sub subscriber list, subscriber base. Beyond that, just running ads. I've spent by this point probably 60 to 75K this year already in, in ads to grow the newsletter. And if you know how much you're going to make per subscriber, it's really easy to start spending money on your credit card because you know that I can spend $2 or in my case, like $1.80 these days to acquire a qualified newsletter subscriber. And I know I can sell between $20 to $30 worth of ads to that one subscriber every single year. So it's just, it's a totally different model than the agency model that we were talking about before. But if you know how much money you're going to make from each subscriber, and it doesn't even have to be an ad supported newsletter, right? If you're a creator listening to this, you're a freelancer listening to this and you have a course. And like I mentioned before, my newsletter started as a way to promote and drive traffic to my course. If you know that every single course launch, or sorry, every single newsletter send, you get 10 people to buy your course, then it's just a matter of, okay, how many subscribers do I have? How many of them open it? And then how many new subscribers do I need to add to get one more person to buy my course every single time I send my email? So there's a million different ways to monetize, but yeah, there's no like silver bullet growth hack. The one piece of advice that I have for companies, brands, or people start trying to start a newsletter is just go where people consume written content. Because it's one thing to get a ton of subscribers. It's another thing to get a ton of subscribers who actually open and engage and read it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Max. There, there's a lot more we could dive into. We're going to have to have you come back and we'll just talk about completely different things next time because I know that there's a lot more we didn't cover, but appreciate your time. 